Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 179. I'm trying to make sure I get the numbers right more often when I say these numbers. 179 uh, this week. A great return. Joining us for the first time in damn near two years, our good friend Michelle Truitt. She's back. Talk about the Levitt Amp Music Festival. Talk about all sorts of things she's involved in. Uh, also this week, we're going to go through the major stories of the week. Talk about Cyber Monday, little Thanksgiving recap, history lessons, cheat codes for everyday life. We'll talk about Hugh Hefner. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff. A wild news week. Oh, we're going to talk about The Undertaker very briefly, too, as well. I don't know why. Just thought it would be fun. Uh, all that and more this week, folks. We are happy, as always, that you are here. Welcome, it's the Uticast episode 179. Uh, I am your host, uh, producer Sam Famalaro, joined as always by Kevin Sullivan. Heather Waz. Heather, you're back. I am. You're not sick anymore? I'm feeling better. Good. So. Good. You look great. Oh, thank you, though. <laughs> uh, this week, uh, returning after, I, I couldn't believe this, and maybe I'm wrong, I'll have to go check my archives. It has been two years and 11 weeks since the last time Michelle was on, and that doesn't wow. make any sense to me. I feel like I, she was just on. I thought like she was just on recently too. Maybe it's just because I've been having conversations. I no, that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, it's been a very long time. So we had a lot to talk about. We went again very long, very long interview, but it was great. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. We talked a lot about um, community outreach. She has her 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 fingers in a lot of different like pots around the city. She mm-hmm. does a lot of cool stuff with a lot of different places. So it was really nice to get into a lot of that, a lot of education talk. She has a son getting into the college age stuff, so we talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, about the 2019 uh, Levitt Amp Music Festival, which we're hoping will be here in Utica, fingers crossed, uh, again, for the fourth year in a row. But uh, let's, do, let's do that Thanksgiving recap. So first time since we've been back, since the holidays. Heather, how was your Thanksgiving with your child and husband? What did you do? We went to Zach's parents' house. Zach's parents' yeah, house. That's fun. You know, Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't want you to tell me about turkey. I don't want you to tell me about stuffing. I want you to tell me, was there any non-traditional Thanksgiving item on the menu where you went? Or was it all right down the middle? I mean, for when I, the one thing that they put on there that I never, I find weird, they make a jello mold. Is that traditional? Because that's gross. Not for me, but I think that's traditional in certain, I, that seems but like a holiday that, thing, a like, jello mold. I just didn't know people still did that. I, I didn't know people did that <laughs> it's either. nasty, by the way. I don't eat it. No, I'm not um, a fan. No, I don't know anything else. It's the only thing that seemed a little out of place to me. All right. Very good. Yeah. Did you enjoy yourself? Uh, yeah. Did I you mean, watch any football? Not that I wanted to, but yeah, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, how was your Thanksgiving? I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was good. I like Thanksgiving. It's a good mm-hmm. holiday. Any non-traditional Thanksgiving items in the menu anywhere you went? Uh, yeah, we're starting to move some stuff up. So Thanksgiving this year was cooked by uh, my cousin Jesse and her brother Colin. Did uh-huh. pretty much everything for the family. Um, and my, I have one cousin whose fiance, uh, I think his mother is Puerto Rican, so he was bringing some dishes. Uh-huh. So we got like some good like red beans and rice, and a couple other traditional dishes that he made that were really nice uh-huh. to have sort of on the side. So that was probably. Closest for unconventional, I would say. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, my Thanksgiving was fine. I went out to Syracuse. I got the family out there. 
I had a great time, although I've talked about this. I said it on Twitter, and I've said it before, I think, on the show. One of the things that gives me anxiety, weirdly, is a lot of people having multiple conversations over one another in the same room. <laughs> now, that seems counterintuitive since we're doing a podcast where there's three of us talking over each other for an hour, but it's not what I mean. No, at all. We're three people engaged in conversations together. It's polar opposite of what you're talking but about. But something, it, I about 7, 8 o'clock, I started getting like a headache, and I started getting a little anxious because of it. It's just a lot. My family is like me. They love to talk. you got to lean into the madness. Yeah. you got to learn to embrace the yeah, madness. Embrace... No, it's true. I like my family. The They're vital great. cheer and life that the madness brings to, hmm. you know, brings to the scene and brings to the holiday. No, For one you. day it will be gone, so you've got That's to true. lean into it. That's true. Uh, I heard this question posed on a different podcast, so I will present it to you guys. Uh, what is the most unproductive time of the year? for you personally. And I bring that up because right now, this period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, if you're an educator, seems like a very unproductive time because everyone is just thinking about Christmas when they come back from Thanksgiving vacation and very little gets done. But for you guys, what do you think is your most unproductive time of the year? I feel like summer, July, like in the summer. July? Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't like as many activities. So I'm not really doing as much. The kids don't have... Your kid is in school yet necessarily, right? No, he's not in school. What age do you go to start... What age do you start like going to school? Like I five. only do a middle school kid, so five. Five. All right, so still have years. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> only a couple. Only a couple. Don't say that. It's years. good. It'll give you some free time to do all the things you like to do around the house, I, like tweet. And, I'm and, more than tweeting. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I yeah, do I'm like, doing a whole lot more than tweeting. <laughs> I have Christmas lights today. Hey, that's pretty good. I was just going to ask you if you got any Christmas shopping. Did you guys start your Christmas? I need to do some no. today. It is Cyber Monday, guys, as we're recording this. Did you add to your unproductivity? That's true. Uh, I didn't actually do any shopping today because I don't get paid till tomorrow. So unless it's Paycheck Tuesday, Cyber Monday (laughs) doesn't do much for me. Uh, (laughs) I will say I've seen a lot of takes on the internet about how Home Assistants, like Google Home Assistant and all those things are like the hot gift of 2018, 2019. But it also seems like that's what Amazon wants you to believe. (laughs) And that's what they're just going to tell you. Yeah. Hot gift of the year, Amazon yeah, yeah, Alexa. Every, every business does that, though. No. Have you seen, like, last year I feel like it was the Instapot. All of a sudden, every mom oh, wanted yeah. an instant cooking pot, those air fryers. What's Have you seen anything this year that's, like, the hot Christmas Is Instapot and air fryer the same thing? No, but they were both very popular, I feel like, huh. last year. Are they not? Someone correct me if they're not. I'm not sure. My mom has the air fryer, and she loves it. She no, says. they're different. They are different. They're different. So maybe they are. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. Utica's mom, Heather, is breaking it out here because oh, I did not on. know. I didn't know. I'm not <laughs> knocking you. I just don't know. Saying stuff, you know, instant know. pot, air fryer, you know, crap. I could be lying and just act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who is the easiest person in your life to shop for and the hardest person? My husband's the hardest person. My son's the easiest person. That's true because he doesn't have <laughs> He doesn't have any idea. Everything's cool to him. My husband is yeah. very hard for me to buy. Yeah. It's just very hard to buy for my mom is always a tough one to buy because she just tells me she doesn't need anything. And then I have to like look around the house for things she doesn't have, <laughs> and that's minimal. I gotta get really creative with stuff it's for stressful her. stressful like that. You're easy, actually, though, Kev, because we all like, we like the say, same things. You're, you're probably the easiest person on my list that I shop for, Sam, I would say, because usually, you know what I mean? Like That's that's usually pretty out of the park. Yeah. Um, I think my brother's wife is probably the hardest person for me to shop for. Mm-hmm. It's a tough because one. Because I, I, a lot of times I end up, and I'll default, you know, do like some books and like a candle, you know, different things like that. But trying to find something that's not just like, hey, here's some crap to keep in your house. Yeah. 
but like an actual nice gift, you know what I mean? That's always that's always one that I sort of struggle with to some degree, and with mm-hmm. my sister, I guess as well, because I never quite know what she's got. That's the other one too. You know what have I mean? things. Give That's gift tough. Cards. Like my brother's pretty easy. Because, yeah, but you, who, gift what card. do you give a gift card to your brother and sister? No chance. I couldn't. Could never do it. It's got. The idea of giving out gift cards has gotten a bit less impersonal, I would say, over the last, like, ten years. Mm-hmm. But I still don't... I don't know if it's just because of a certain age. I don't feel super... It feels very lazy. I'm very lazy. I could not figure out what to get you. I didn't want to take the time. So here's oh, a card. No. Figure it out. Yourself. Like, no, and that's not how it feels, but that's what it used to feel like back in the day. Yeah. I feel like. It still does to a degree. I mean, you give me a gift card, like, hey, just, like, here's some money. I got money. I want to think. Well, I'm no, see, I'm on the other way. I, I could make a call, even if it's a thing. I you don't like as much. You could put a gift card much. with a little present, like a little present, but mm. the gift card is the main one. Like you don't. That's true. Like a coffee. If it's a coffee place, like a coffee cup, with this, coffee you, beans. Yeah. And a gift card. I feel like any sort of unless there's a place that somebody like hilariously loves or goes to. I don't know. A lot of times a gift gift card is sort of like a shot in the dark. Like, hey, here's a gift card. Although to be fair, I do like a Barnes and Noble gift card. There you go. So I'll tell you. I'll give you an insight. Last year, my niece, mm-hmm. my oldest niece in Chicago. Here's what she wanted for her birthday, she, or Christmas. She wanted a $25 Starbucks gift card. That's what she wanted for Christmas, as a Christmas gift. Right. So I said, okay. So I bought it for her, and then I just went to the dollar store and bought a bunch of those dollar square boxes of candy, and I would just wrap the card, uh, wrap the gift card, and then put it on top of the box of candy. So at least it's not just, here's a card wrapped yeah, no, in nothing. Good. right? Just something, right? Any right. physical good. item attached to it to give it weight. I don't know. That's like something my dad would do. He'd, like, give you money, but he would wrap it around, like, a sausage. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, no, it's a real story. I shit you not. My dad gave me a pepperoni stick for Christmas one year. They had, like, a $100 bill wrapped around. I'm like, that's a weird way to distribute money. But thanks, Dad. Just that. Um, just a quick side note about uh, Cyber Monday. Uh, as everyone in the U.S. is on their Internet frantically scrambling for deals, across Europe and France today, thousands of Amazon workers are striking, uh, complaining about terrible working conditions, inhumane conditions, uh, at Amazon warehouses across Europe. I feel like this is not the first story I've heard in the last couple of months about, like, all these tech companies really running very crummy, like, conditions for their workers. I read a lot of this about video games that are coming out. These people work, like, outrageous hours without compensation. And Interesting question might be a sidebar, because, again, I mean, they're doing this to everybody. Do you consider Amazon to be a tech company? Not anymore, I guess. Now they're almost, like, uh, too much. They're, they're everything You think they ever now. were a tech company, though? Just they're because a company they exist that primarily existed. on the internet, like they're not. Tech. Well, they have their their platform is all Alexa digital, and all that. right? They don't have. Do they have brick and mortar stores? Now, I know they've talked about it, but for, they might have popped a couple up. But I think because of where they're situated and how they came to be, like they were a bookstore that turned into a digital sales place that is now something bigger, right? Like I, I would call them a tech company. Yeah, because they got because they they made most of their money based on internet and digital, like. Marketing tactics, but but they made they made that money. I mean, the money was made on the internet, but it was made by selling physical goods and shipping, which isn't new. So So infrastructure. It was interesting. Made me think about it because when I think of tech company, I think of people, you know, Google, Apple, Samsung, all these different people who who make and create technology and deal in software, hardware, firmware, all that kind of thing. Whereas like Amazon is just somebody who kind of leveraged. Tech and point. the internet to um, expand regular mm. standard business that a lot of people mm. do. And I think that's why Amazon has this happen a lot is because Google doesn't need to have warehouses the way that Amazon has warehouses. Like to get this giant shipping, Correct. there needs you know, to be a physical megazord of shipping up to go everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to have people physically working out there. 
I think that's why Amazon is sometimes an island unto themselves when it comes to you know worker abuses. Yeah. Because they have to have workers out there in warehouses doing like menial labor tasks. Hmm. Yeah, I good. That's true. It's a great point. I actually didn't think about it like that. I never but thought. About I always it. thought about them as a tech company just because they just because they're online. They, yeah. Because they're online and they've also like made their. Well, they have Alexa and, the and they have Amazon Prime now yeah. and they, they have, do have things. There are. I guess the, the that's true. They have a digital streaming platform. Yeah, but yeah, they have that. Are, but they have, are they not? Are they creating? They yeah. created. At what, at what level are they? I mean, Handmaid's Tale was. No, that's Hulu, right? What was the big? I'm, I'm not talking about are they creating content. I'm talking about at a base level, are they creating the platform, platform with which right, they stream? Right. Okay, or no, are they purchasing the platform to brand, use, and sell? That's a great point. That's a great point. I think there's a. It's a good. I never really do thought our about research it. Like and come on. We can do back. some research. <laughs> talk about. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Amazon again sometime in the future. Uh, let's get through this week's. Biggest news stories. I'll just dig through them. Uh, did you guys read about the U.S. impact of climate change intensifying, this report that came out this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cowards put it out on Black Friday. Mm. Spoiler alert, it's horrible. Massive report issued by the Trump administration emphasizes the dire threat that human-caused global warming poses to the United States and its citizens, now changing faster than any point in the history of modern civilization, uh, the researchers said in the report. It's a 1,600-page report uh, detailing the climate and economic impacts we will face if drastic action is not taken. Uh, Worst-case scenario, researchers say climate change could deliver a 10% hit to the nation's GDP by the end of the century. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we could all die. You know what, though? Thank God. Y'all's president came out today and said he doesn't believe the report. That his own own White House put out, so it's all set. It's all made up. Can I share a bad climate on both sides? <laughs> I'm going to share a weird story with you today. There's a pretty good uh, explainer article about all the details from this thing, like some with good charts in it, on Vox today about the climate change thing. And I like to show this to my kids because a lot of times those graph stuff are good for them to understand, like, complex things. So I brought up one, and it just showed you could put your own city, and you could put Utica, and it showed that projections from now until, like, 2050, right? And it's basically implying that over the next 50 years, our average highs will raise about five degrees and our average lows in the winter will raise about five and a half degrees. And one of my kids inevitably said, isn't that good? Like, won't it get warmer in the winter and our summers will be nicer? (laughs) And I think that if you don't pay attention to, like, what it means when climate shifts, a lot of people could be like, oh, yeah, it's warmer. It's a big deal, right? But what it really means is, like, the seismic changes in global, have larger global scale effects, flooding, hurricanes, these fires you see going on, in California that are worse than they've ever been. It, that's definitely tied into just subtle changes in, like, global climate. So it's important to understand that. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, for anyone in the Midwest, by the way, uh, who's getting killed with snow, have you guys seen all this big storms out in the Midwest? No. Getting 6 to 12 inches, many as 18 inches expected. More than 1,000 flights were canceled worldwide uh, or nationwide over the week. I'm sure it'll be coming for us sooner than later. I can't wait. I have sympathy for the Midwest, but it's it's coming for us. Hope they have sympathy. You think so? You'd think so. It is pretty cold and uncomfortable right now, though. I feel like. Oh, it's warm out today. It's warm out yesterday right too. Mm. Yeah, it's a balmy fifty degrees outside. Uh, in international news, uh, in a bittersweet landmark this week, European Union leaders gathered Sunday to seal an agreement on Britain's departure next year uh, from the United uh, from the United Kingdom. Brexit's official, guys. 
I've never seen, I guess I don't understand totally what the plan is for either side. Like, it seems like they kind of worked their way into this for no reason. They worked themselves into a shoot. (laughs) They worked themselves into a shoot. Like, it's so many conflicting messages. Like, British Prime Minister Theresa May says it's start of a new chapter. European Union's like, ah, it's a tragedy. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, not to beat a dead drum, but outlined in um, Russian author Alexander Dugan's Foundation on Geopolitics, get... uh, isolate the United Kingdom from the rest of Europe and encourage a German-French alliance going forward because they're both anti-Atlanticists. And mm. another thing coming through, horrifying, terrible, and it's not going to be good. And uh, Ireland's still not going to get its rightful six counties back in the north either, so oh. I don't really see any winners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's some, you guys want, well, here's one piece of crummy Trump news, and then we'll get to a good news. Uh, and it's not even Trump news. Did you guys see the White House has continued its tradition of absolutely terrifying decorations for holidays <laughs> no. with their bright blood red Christmas tree collection? It's really... It fit, it's, it's fitting. It's horrifying. It's fitting. It's horrifying. <laughs> like I, I, it really does look like Christmas in hell. And I... It and probably I, is. <laughs> especially if you work there. <laughs> uh, if you want some good news, though, this week, some interesting, non-hateful, miserable news... Uh, as of 3 p.m. today, uh, NASA has officially announced that the uh, latest... Space in- is not real and the Earth <laughs> is flat. <laughs> uh, the latest and greatest great. uh, Mars lander, known as NASA's InSight lander, has officially touched down on the red planet Mars today and has officially sent- started sending back uh, new images of Mars. Let's get it, red planet. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I love stuff like this. Yeah. Um, it's always perilous to plummet down, so people were concerned that the landing wouldn't take place, but it did. Uh, the plan, I think, initially, they said, for what it's there for is to... Oh, God, what is it? Collect samples and stuff, isn't it? To figure out if we can live there, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? That's what they need to figure out. We won't be alone. <laughs> no, I forget what it actually is there for, but it's some very, like, random scientific thing. Like, can ants build you colonies see, in space or something like that? There was an interesting uh, interesting story that came out this past week that's somewhat global warming-related... Uh, with the receding ice and everything, did you see they found a new impact crater in Greenland? Yeah, oh. I saw that. 19-mile impact crater. Um, and, you know, they're trying to date it and figure it out. It's all kind of new, but it lo- it's one of those things where it's very interesting. Some of the scientific people in the world are very excited because it gives a little bit more credence to some of the people, uh, like, you know, the Graham Hancocks and those guys in the mm-hmm. world. Like, it might have some interesting implications for ancient civilization and change some things about history and the way that we understand the world. So that's a really interesting thing if you're looking for some like good, fun, non-doomsday political-related science news to read about. I look at that. I had a story that I was going to cut from this week, but it's in the same vein, so I'll bring it out. Uh, there was a tablet that was found this week. It was a 4,000-year-old 4, tablet. And once they've deciphered it, they found out that it is actually the world's oldest customer service complaint. A 4,000-year-old. Oh, I've, I've seen that. I yeah. Yeah. see that. Yeah, the, according to uh, the courts, uh, the 4,000-year-old, uh, 4,000 years ago, Nani, possibly a businessman or artist, wrote a note to a merchant complaining that the copper ingots he had purchased were of inferior quality and that the man had treated him badly and not refunded his money. He then crossed into enemy territory to collect his money in person and wrote a complaint about it. It's it's hilarious. Gotta let him know. Gotta let him know. I shall from now on select and take ingots individually in my own yard, and I shall exercise against you my right of rejection because you have treated me with contempt. Unquote. What an amazing find. (laughs) (laughs) History's dope, guys. We are. Did you see another? That's really great. Since we're just peppered in wild stories, we heard about. I think I told you about this yesterday. Uh, There's a gentleman in England. 
who got sentenced like a $25 fine for some minor traffic thing. So he showed up in court and he's insisting that he be able to invoke his ancient right to trial by combat. Trial by combat. Instead of <laughs> yes. instead of paying the fine. So he's like, you send somebody out here to fight me to the death. And if I die, I die. Uh, and if I win, I win, but I'm not paying this $25 fine. Outrageous. And he's, he's much just be some, he's like 60 years old, just some old cantankerous dude who's like, somebody come fight me. <laughs> Uh, some, Could you imagine? Uh, some things never change, My guys. ancient right to trial by combat. Uh, thankfully, our interview with Michelle Truitt this week did trial not involve any trial by combat. It was actually a really, really nice discussion. We went almost 50 minutes. Great combo. It's been almost almost two and a half years since she That's was on great. here, so it was really, really nice to get in and talk to her. Again, she is involved in so many cool and interesting and important things uh, around the city. Uh, it was really nice to get a chance to sit down and break down a lot of that stuff with her. So uh, let's get into it. This week's interview, a returning GFOP, Michelle Truitt. We'll be back after the interview in, I don't know, almost an hour. I've had to do well it's funny because when people have been on here multiple times I don't like to ask them the same questions over and over so I do have to go hunting for new at least um yeah what do you call it you, you can only blame yourself because what you put out there in the universe and bios and websites and all that stuff like you're gonna find it because I put it out, find there. It out there so. and you know what's funny and again it's a digital world now it's not even hard to find this stuff anymore I know I used to have to like figure out what I was gonna say before not on the day when I was doing interviews before there was <laughs> But I can't imagine what it must have been like in the 1980s if you were a journalist and you had to dig up research for an article, yeah, like not yeah. just going to your desk and doing it. I have to go to our archives. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Michelle, it is episode 179. Uh, That's a good number. I do a like an, a good odd number. Odd number. <laughs> yeah. Last time you were on, do you remember the last time you were on the show? Because um, I couldn't believe this. I was shocked. Was it a year ago? Really? Yeah. It seems like it was just yesterday. It, I thought because I drive past your house all the time, and I feel like I'm here more than I am. I could be wrong because <laughs> I did my research on this, and I went back a couple times. Am I incorrect in assuming that the last time you were on was episode sixty-five, which is hundred and fourteen weeks ago? Which wow! Would be two years which means and you're, 10 you're putting in work. It means that I'm putting in work, but it also <laughs> means that I'm overdue to have had you back on the show. Nice. And did you not come back on last year to talk about Levitt? Um, I honestly can't remember. I don't remember, I don't remember what did. I do. I know we talked about it. I always go on like the radio and go on the podcast and stuff like that. And they're like, what are you here for today? We, I'm like, well, let me think about it. We did play a lot of phone tag over the last like yeah, six months, for <laughs> to sure. be fair. For sure. So let me get a couple things out of the way before All right. we get into the interview. Uh, it's been 114 weeks then, assuming. <laughs> How has your last two years-ish been? Fabulous. How are yours? Doing some is good it, things. Okay. Kids getting older. Just think, chugging away. I think what's terrifying for me is that it's been 179 episodes and I've yet to skip one. And it just really, this just wow. solidifies the march of time for me. And I'm very terrified. And it's once a week. So it's that. Good for you. Yeah. That's Any, impressive. 
You know, I talked to somebody about this. I forget it was. I think it was. I was doing someone else's podcast. Those uh, those Breaking Bread guys. They asked mm-hmm. me to come on, and they asked like, "How do you do it every week?" And I was just like, "I'm an insane person. Yeah, I have this irrational need that I feel like I need to do this every week, and if yeah. I don't, I'm going to let some imaginary force in the world down. Right, it's just me." Forcefully, because you're only responsible to yourself, really, right? It's a creative person's thing, and we're gonna get into the fact that you're basically a Renaissance woman who does so many things. <laughs> I don't know how you find time to live through the day, uh, but I think when you're a creative type, and I've had I've talked to people about this before, if you don't have some avenue, doesn't even necessarily matter what it is, but some avenue to get that weird internal oddness or need to. Shout your your opinion out into the void. Yeah, yeah. You'd go insane. I'd go nuts if I wasn't doing the podcast. Like, did it have to be something else that was taking yeah, my time? Yeah, it's your creative outlet. Yeah, yeah. I gotta have it. I feel you. Um, so 114 weeks. Uh, it probably wasn't Thanksgiving last time you were on. <laughs> might have been. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving before we get into anything else? It was really good. I ate a lot. I made mm-hmm. a killer cheese platter. It was gorgeous. I'm glad you say that because I was going to ask you if you do anything non-traditional. People come in here and want to talk to you about turkey and stuff. And no. I'm always curious about what people I like do. turkey. I've made it. I'm, I just turned 43 a few weeks ago. I've made it 43 years without having to make a turkey. So yeah. why why wreck the winning streak now? <laughs> You've never made so, a turkey. No, I always bring the stuff like, you know, one thing I always bring is Saranac soda. Smart. If I'm going home Very to New smart. Jersey or if I'm going, my in-laws are in Morrisville, Hamilton. And that's always like the thing you really don't buy for yourself a lot, but it's a treat. And the kids all love it. The kids do love it. Yeah, so that's like my thing. And then a cheese platter, like, you know, you could spend a lot of money on a cheese platter. Yes, you can. And you put it out in this beautiful way, and it's impressive, and it's like a nice spread. So then you're the hero, the appetizer hero. It's funny, as I've gotten older, what I take home with me from Thanksgiving is different. When I was a kid, it was like, you mashed potatoes, you yeah. turkey. <laughs> now, I came sauce. back today with like a whole thing full of like just corn souffle. I'm like, this corn souffle was amazing. What is corn souffle? You don't know corn? It's basically cornbread. But it's nice. like a big, fancy... My mom makes it. I'll show you the recipe. It's unreal. It's basically just a big, giant cornbread that you make in a casserole. Delicious. As opposed to baking it like in a bread pan. It's yeah, fun. Like, that it sounds almost, good. It turns into I like almost, anything bread. It almost turns into like a corn pudding or like a rice pudding kind of consistency in the center it's got a beautiful it's great it's really excellent I'll show you the recipe it's super super easy Uh, and I guess I'll just ask because it is Cyber Monday yeah which is a thing did I buy uh, anything? Did you already start shopping? Are you ready for Christmas at all? I uh, I did on Black Friday when I you go. Were not I, yeah, I've got. Um, I went later, so it wasn't I was too bad. Say. But <laughs> the um, I always go back down to New Jersey. I've got mm-hmm. three little nephews and a little niece, and mm-hmm. they're eight and under. Yeah, yeah. And they love. They're like country kids. They have sure. like four wheelers and you know BB guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. They love tracksuits. <laughs> like <laughs> Adidas tracksuits. <laughs> so I went to Kohl's and they were having like a super special, and I hooked my kids up with some Adidas tracksuits. I'll be having the family, and my son up here loves them, but of course he's six too. So it's so funny to me the way that things come around, right? right? Like Adidas tracksuits were dope in the eighties, right? And I, then... I should give them like a big square of cardboard and a boombox. Yes, and then... yeah, give them a big square. How about it? And you can walk in with the boombox in the shoulder. And an LL Cool J tape. It's so funny. <laughs> I noticed this, because I work at Procter, and because I work with teenagers. Yeah. The weirdest Aren't thing... they fun? F- they are fun. <laughs> but the weirdest thing for me is when something comes around that I'm already aware of, right? I noticed this a couple weeks ago. A lot of my kids are wearing champion brand clothing. Oh, again. my son's all about it. It's the hottest thing. Yeah. 
I've been about. wearing Champion since like the '90s because that was like yes. whatever I could find at like the Salvation Army. When the hell did like yeah. this become like a lifestyle? I remember brand? getting my first Champion sweatshirt in sixth grade. My I, friend got it for me for my birthday. It I was love not that sweatshirt. Though, was it? It was never expensive. I don't not re- this way. I don't recall. Now it's Maybe. like a fashion. Yeah, brain. It's a lifestyle I, brain. my son was just wearing a whole champion outfit yesterday, and I looked at him walking past, and I was like, "What the heck?" And the champion logo is like monster size on yes. stuff now. It's like huge. Well, it's funny. They love it. I used to not be. I couldn't. I could never justify. Like for Christmas, my mom would be like, "What do you want for Christmas?" I'm like, "A couple years." Because I had this really nice champion crew neck that I've had for like ten years, and I love it. The my best. favorite shirt. I was like, "I want a champion crew neck," and she's like, "Can I just get you any crew neck?" I was like, "Just don't get me any." I don't want to explain it because don't get it it out for you. But now my niece is in on it, and my mom is really having a hard time understanding why she's paying like three times as much for a shirt that says champion, right? Right. And my niece is just like, You don't get it. You don't get it. She's like in that 13, 14 age. Yeah. I don't know how old your son is now. He's going to be 18. 18. And you know what? Knock on wood. I got through the teenage years. Like, it was, he's been the easiest kid ever. Everybody's just like, Mm. So jealous. Well, we're <laughs> it was so easy. <laughs> I have a special uh, parent corner segment for you. Later oh, on, great. Do, so Excellent. I'll, I'll okay. save that for later on. Love it. Um, it's really cold out. You mentioned it when you walked in the door. Yeah, a little rainy yeah. and chilly today. Uh, I did have a moment this morning when I woke up. I went to go shower. And I was like, God, it's so cold. And then I looked down and I was like, it's not even December. It's going to get so much worse. I, I feel like I'm, I feel bad that I'm already like cold. And yeah. Cold when you, you know it's getting. I know. Do you do any outdoor sports things in the wintertime? No, the reason I brought this up, actually, is because I saw that you are on the, a member of the Utica Roadrunners. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which makes me wonder if you are one of these people yep. that I see in the mornings who's yep. running. Oh, God, yep. I hate you. We guys. went out on, uh, we went out on <laughs> Sunday morning. We actually go to, um, I've got it like a core group of like really, you know, badass runners, and mm. we meet here, there, and everywhere, but we go to Clinton a lot because it's, um, you know, Utica Coffee's there. Oh, yeah. And then um, the roads are pretty good, and they're Beautiful quieter out there. there. Yeah. It was so icy. We were trying to go up a hill, and I'm like, I think I gotta walk. You know, we're like holding on to each other because when you're in your 40s, you don't want to fall. That's the part that I think <laughs> is impressive to me is because I ran cross country in high school. I grew up running cross country. Yeah. And now if I go outside and it's like a little <laughs> rainy, I'm like, I'm just gonna go outside. You just gotta do it because you know what? The, the regret of the day is too much to bear if mm-hmm. you don't go out. Yeah. You know, you got you gotta do it. How often are you running? I am very much, I slack this year. So over the past yeah. two years, you know, this year was a little low. I had a lot going on and we try to get out. I try to get a good two times. I did a half marathon in October and uh, Boilermaker, of course. And we did yeah. that peak to brew race. You ever heard of that? Yes. I actually have a medal for it floating around the house somewhere. You did it? I didn't do it. GFOP, Where did you get the GFOP, medal? <laughs> Cliff Montoni did it. Yeah. He works at the brewery. Yeah. Left the medal here, and now it's just sitting at the house. So I know people ask. There's all the medals from the past four years fit together. Hmm. So I, I, th- this year will be the fourth. Oh, wow. That's and really then cool. there's a honey badger one. If you run this <laughs> one 10 mile leg that is like terribly awful, it oh. has seven crazy hills. You can't even walk up. And you get an extra one. They all fit together. Have you ever done the, uh, the Mudfest? Varden Mudfest? No. That's a good one. I've done, I've done one, one uh, what do you call it? Uh, Warrior Dash. The Warrior Dash. Yeah. I just know because I've, I've dealt with uh, the folks up there. The, I can't blow this guy's name. He yes. works uh, William Dane Williams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
he's a really interesting guy, and that's a race that I've seen a lot of people run who really enjoy it. Is, it is yeah. cool. You do a couple of those mud things. I've done like a dirty girl race as well, where it's yeah. an all female thing out towards Buffalo. What's and it's um, it is you get just so filthy. Yeah. What's the one where they throw colors at you? Is that a thing that people Col- the, the color, color races? But that's like <laughs> that's based on something though, right? Isn't it like I don't know the history. There's some of that. sort of cultural like thing. I bet. Yeah, there's one here in Utica. And they're all I, over. I see. That's the thing. I'm such a curmudgeon. I can't imagine how I would respond if I was running down a race and someone just threw a big cloud of powder at me. Like, bah! What is yeah, this? Oh, dude, God! Dude, you know it's coming. Like, you see. <laughs> no, you know. see. I'm just saying. I'm in the zone if I'm running. This is actually, I have to admit, first year I didn't run the Boilermaker in four and a half years. Oh, man. What happened? Hurt my back. Oh. Uh, and I have to admit, I went to go see my chiropractor, our good buddies, uh, Nick and Ashley at Climb Cairo Sports. Shout yep. out to GFOPs, yeah. Nick and Ashley. Yeah. Um, but I definitely... I will probably run again this year because I do feel better. But I say last year was the first year that, for like physical reasons, I was like, I think. I'm... Oh, that's awful. Yeah, you get it. Once you start getting to be this age, you know, I do. I do the newsletter for the Roadrunners, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. and every month I do um, a member spotlight. So I talk to everybody from like the super fast ones who are going through like for mm-hmm. marathon majors and doing races in Berlin mm-hmm. and Tokyo and stuff, and then like. Older couples, that, mm. that's their thing together. Whenever I talk to an older person, older runner, older couple, yeah. they're like, you know what? We're not trying to win any, win any races. We're not trying to get injured. You go out there, and we're doing the same miles. We're doing it slower. We're doing it safer and healthier. So that's, that's where I'm at, you know, because I, <laughs> I really wanted to get fast for a couple of years. And we were, like, cruising. And I'm like, this hurts. <laughs> I, think, I think, honestly, I don't know what it is. I, when I was a kid, I think when you run when you're – when I ran young, when I was younger – I did it because I was running cross-country. I thought I was supposed to. I didn't understand that if I had just maintained it, I probably would have been better off. It's hard to make gains when you start later on because you're not used it is, to that it sort is of hard. mentality. And it's easy to lose it, too. It's, it's really like easy to lose three it. weeks, if yeah. you are not out there doing anything, you lose your fitness like that. And then it's like starting from ground zero again. Well, that's why I respect that you're out there doing it in the Thanks, snow man. and in the rain. Because I'll, I, I'll wave when I run by. I will be asleep. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you a couple quick questions about what I really brought you on the talk okay. about. The 2019 uh, Levitt Amp yeah. Music Festival. Uh, for folks who have not already voted, go to levitt.org. I can, well, the, vo- the voting's over. Is it over now? Yeah, the voting's over. Because I went over. to the site today, and did we finish up? We, we did, yep. So good. we good. made it through the first phase, which was getting, we were, there were 41 people yeah, this year vying, right. and we had to get in the top 25. So mm-hmm. we are there. And we ended up in, what was it, 11? Um, 17th, actually. Oh, okay, so, all right, yeah. Good. Well, yeah. still, hey. It was like three weeks. It's like the Hunger Games. It's like mm. three weeks, and you're just like fighting for those votes. But 17's good. Mm-hmm. We're in a good spot. And we. So you've been with them for all the last four years, then? Yes. Yep. Including, I, well, including what would be this next year? Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Chris. Let's let's talk as if we got it. If we put positive <laughs> vibes out, then we'll be good. Uh, when did you first? I actually did a little bit of research today about the organization. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, and I, I was sort of thinking that this morning. I was like, you know, I really don't know as much about this organization. Yeah. When did you first come across the organization? How did you first get connected to them? Um, Kathy Bullwinkle here, who works mm-hmm. for the Department of Health, she oh. was at a conference and met the executive director of the Levitt Foundation, and she has ties to Boonville. Actually, her mm-hmm. family lived here at some point. She has some ties to Kirkland Street down here and had a house here. So that was um, almost four years ago now. Mm. And they brought that back, and we decided to, uh, along with Rusty Green and Utica Monday Night, and we put the application in and won it for that first year. So the Levitt Amp, Levitt, let me back up for a second. Yeah, so sure, of course. I'll give you like the 30-second spiel about um, Mortimer Levitt, because it's a really cool story. It's sure. like a true rags to riches type yeah, of yeah. thing. So Mortimer was the son of uh, struggling immigrants mm-hmm. down um, in, I think it was Brooklyn. 
So his dad worked out at Coney Island, and Mortimer would go out with his dad to work sometimes. And they were too poor to go into these places or have tickets to go in to listen to music. So he would sit outside and listen to what he could outside. And Mm. that's really where he fell in love with live music. Mm. So fast forward, he dropped out of school when he was 16. He got into the ready-made clothing and built a department store empire. Mm. So he married his wife a little bit later. They had a... um, a summer home in Westport, Connecticut. Hmm. And at some point in the 80s, I believe it was, he uh, Westport had this old landfill that they were trying to turn into an hmm. outdoor pavilion sure. for music. Yeah. And Mortimer and Mimi Levitt gave $25,000 hmm. to that effort. So lo and behold, when they showed up for the first concert, they named it the Levitt Pavilion. Hmm. And he had like a really cool um, archway made so that it reminded him of Coney Island and his younger days there. And he assured that all of those concerts were for free. So the Levitt Foundation, um, when he sold, I think he had 90 um, department stores and he sold them and put his fortune into the Levitt Foundation. So his daughter Liz actually moved out to LA. That's why the foundation's based there. She runs it. His wife is still alive. And now they've got permanent Levitt pavilions in major cities all over the country. And the Levitt AMP program that we're part of is this program that's only five years old. And it is for um, cities with a population of 400,000 or less. That's right. So that's for uh, the little guys. That's for us, small and medium-sized yeah. cities. It's funny you brought that up because I was just bringing up, I did a little research on this today, and apparently a lot of it is due to just sustainability and uh, and audience development. Yes. I'm sort of curious, because you've been on the ground floor here. Mm-hmm. Let's assume we get it for this fourth year, which I feel like we're going to. Yep. <laughs> uh, if we get it for a fourth year, have you sort of noticed a difference in terms of reaction two, three years in? Are you getting bigger oh, yeah. crowds? Is oh, there yeah. any concern that yeah. people are not voting because they're so used to it being here that they expect it's going to be here? No, I, th- I think they get it. Uh, we'll get the numbers of the votes so we can, s- at the end of this, if we do win, we get those emails so we right. can see how sure. much our emails go. So there was a big boost last year. Good. Our first concert in year one was 120 people and then our best concerts last year in year three was mm. 715 people. So it's grown quite a bit in three years. It was hard the first year because, you know, you have this outside funding and you're like, Levitt, 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 and nobody knows what the heck it is. Right. So it was a lot of, like, um, brand building the first mm-hmm. year and, like, come on, trust me, you know, like, come to this thing. We're bringing real quality music. Yeah, oh, We're giving sure. local bands a chance to open, you know. So we've had 30 concerts, 30 local bands, 30 uh, na- national regional headliners, and then we plug in intermission acts where we're bringing high school kids, you know. I've got this one girl who is a senior at New York Mills, Amazing voice. Ridiculous. She's now in the Young Entrepreneur Academy, so I'm psyched and helping her build her personal brand and stuff. But I'm like, you know what, Lily? We're going to win this because you're going to be an opener next year, and it's going to you know, help her elevate and start her career out. And I know we've talked about it many times that Copernic Park, uh, mm-hmm. Central, uh, that, that area in general, that Oneida Square area, yeah. is underrepresented when we talk about uh, sort of the areas of redevelopment. Yeah, very much so. And that's why we chose it. You know, it's a prerequisite with the Levitt AMP grant to have a place that's an underutilized space in the city that has to be kind of really close to different populations of your city uh, for accessibility purposes. So they want you to be close to your minority communities, your inner city, your your suburbs, just easily accessible for everybody. And Copernic Park, like, gosh darn it, like, who would have thought? I know. It is such a cool little spot. We We activate it every week and... You know, people are used to coming down there now, and they're walking a couple blocks to get pizza and go to Joel's. It's awesome. Well, I know for a fact, because with my work that I do for Young Scholars, yep. uh, my outdoor sort of like, a, I have two jobs at Young Scholars. One is a direct sort of sitting in the classroom working with kids, mm-hmm. but my other job title is like community outreach coordinator, so mm-hmm. a lot of my job... <gasps> Good to know. I know, right? I didn't know that part. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that after. <laughs> 
a lot of times what I'll do during the summertime specifically when we're off work is I'll go around and check on interns who are we've connected with programs sort yeah. of thing. So we actually have a lot of kids who are in that area, that mm-hmm. Mohawk Valley Latino Association, uh, Abraham House. Yep. And it's crazy how ingrained in the community these kids already are in this area. Mm-hmm. And I love the diversity of it and that it brings so many people from different backgrounds. Because, again, yeah. we're talking about an area that, I've said it many times in the show, was sort of saved and revitalized by the acceptance of refugee community. Yeah. And we, we really should do as much as we can to give back to that community that helped us as a city, at least, yeah. my, at least from what I've seen. I love that. I'm all about it. I actually mm. have another project going on right now with the refugee community, too, which mm. we can talk about later. But, but through Mucker? The, um, no, through um, just just a project oh. that came up. So I'll back up because it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It stems from Levitt. So sure. th- this year, the, the Levitt Foundation asked me and one of the representatives from Chattanooga, Tennessee, sure. to go down to a creative placemaking conference in New Orleans. Oh, very nice. So we headed down there in September, and we were on a panel with them, and the topic was diversifying the imp- approach mm-hmm. and inclusive outreach. So all year leading up to Levitt this past summer, I knew that I would be going down to talk about this and like tried to make real specific efforts to bring in different communities. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of work reaching out into the refugee community. We reached out into mm-hmm. the Latino community, the black community, and made like what I call a bridge builder yeah. uh, group of people. So you know, I've got these folks that if I need to get into this community or need to reach out to somebody here, like I've yeah. got those people that I can you know, reach out to. It's, I, I always joke it's like the, um, what is it, two degrees of separation yeah, or three degrees of Kevin yeah, yeah. Bacon or whatever it is. <laughs> but we're looking to you know, get more depth in that. So I brought a lot of different people in, and I'm working with just a really, really cool group of people, which fulfills me personally in my work too. You know, I don't yeah. want to work with the same yeah. people day in and day out. So um, this little project stemmed from that, and we're doing, actually the premiere is this Thursday. It's called The Bench. It's a the short bench. film. Yeah. Where can people go to? I believe this oh, awesome. Yeah. Very nice. There's, um, all I have right now is a little, uh, is a Facebook group. So if you look at The Bench Film Premiere, it is a film that I've been working on with Adam Brockway. Yeah. And we built this bench. So we, we were thinking, like, how to get people together. And the whole point of Levitt is to have this open seating um, area and this lawn where hopefully you're sitting next to somebody that you might not have known before. Yeah, yeah. And you're coming together and you're chatting and you're building a relationship because the music is the catalyst. So this film project, we made... Um, we recruited 12 people, we uh, two, uh, six couples. So one is a native Utican and one is a refugee or immigrant. And we built this beautiful oh. bench. Uh, Kathy Marsh did the seat from uh, Oneida Square Public Art and Design. Mm. So she did this gorgeous mosaic seat um, made of the world. Mm. And my good friend that I run with oh, <laughs> in yeah. the wintertime and elsewhere, she's a uh, metal worker she, or a metal designer. She's mm. from, she's a Munson grad. So she designed the bench awesome. and we made this, this beautiful really thing. It's a great idea. It's smoking. And they didn't meet each other until they got to the filming. So we sat them down. And I see my, my pal, Katie Giacovelli. Katie Giacovelli. <laughs> Isn't she yeah. great? And she these students, I mean, this student is from Sudan. And oh, wow. this one I met coaching for the Bulldogs years ago. And I'm oh, still nice. close with her. Nice. So it's uh, quite amazing. I think it's funny, too. And, uh, and like I said, we're going to get into a whole bunch of other things <laughs> that you sort of do around here. It is weirdly, it's such a weird, rewarding thing, though, when you, Put yourself in a spot where you meet a lot of people. I've been really, like, I think the weirdest thing about this show has always been the the ability it The has, weird people you have on it? No, well, the ability <laughs> that, like, people who are interesting and doing cool things yeah. are willing to talk to some weird hipster in their apartment. Right? Do you mean, like, it's so odd. I think that's. I think that's the beauty of it. Dude. You're like, come over to my house. I'm like, all right. Well, like, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I've, I've had, it's, it's just weird to me. I've, it's just odd 
the way that things connect with people. And it's just, I don't yeah. know, it just throws me off every I agree. time I think about it. I, I found with myself over the past couple of years, you know, Le- Levitt's been a good catalyst for yeah. this for me, but I've met people through the refugee yeah. center or through Muck or just in happen, you know, in, yeah, in happenstance. So and you learn about them a little bit. And if you put yourself out there, it's just like oh, meeting yeah. anyone new. And then you're like, oh, you know what? This guy Ahmad is an amazing world-renowned violinist. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, I need somebody to play music for Valentine's oh. Day at the Fort Schuyler Club, which is one of my clients. And I was like, Ahmad, would you like to play? And he was so, he was so good, and he, you know, jaw dropping. Yeah. And then it was able to, you know, help him and his family by getting him a good gig. Yeah. You know, and then we bring him into Levitt and to playing with a band and stuff like that. And his wife makes cakes. You know, like you learn more about these folks and you bring them in your life. You see, you know, there's always a joke that everyone in Utica knows everybody. But I think mm. more than anything else, it's just all these weird sort of branching spider webby connections that exist between everybody. Yeah. And the more and more we use those to our advantage, uh, the better off I think as a community we are. To yeah. To sort of reach out to the people. I agree. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just something I think about it's a lot. Streng- it strengthens in the community quite yeah. a bit. I know? can't even tell you how many people I walk up that will say hello to me in public and someone's like, how do you know that guy? Podcast. Mm-hmm. Podcast. Podcast. Made you to go event. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, if uh, if for some reason Copernic Park doesn't work, I know another park that somebody opened. If you're oh, I, I know that park well. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that park. <laughs> uh, so I got a couple other things I want to talk to you besides okay. uh, Levitt Amp. Okay. So before I do that, you said we ended up 17th. Is there another round of voting for the 25, or how does that work? Going no, that's forward? it. So now they take the 25, and right now they um, they have reviewers that are looking okay. over our applications. I think we put in a really strong app. We oh. really had to make the um, the case for why we needed continued funding here in Utica, yeah. and I think we did a nice job. Uh, Diane Shoemaker helps me out tremendously mm. getting that in. So December 18th, they will let Very us cool. know who the top 15 winners are. Very nice. Yeah. I just want to mention something else I saw on your Facebook page. It's also going on December 18th. There's a rescue mission for Utica that you were talking yes. about. Is that a food drive or is that a... No, it is a concert. So okay. the Slambovian Circus of Dreams, yeah, yeah. right? You can say that five times I was going to ask you about that. They were one of our bands from Levitt and uh, Stephen Kowalski, who's mm. a good friend and client of mine. I've known him for a long time. He loves the band. He's mm. met them down in Hudson Valley where they're from. He, um, he brought them up. And they do a Christmas show. So they're like this kind of, um, their genre is surreal Americana. Mm. They kind of sound like uh, Pink Floydy, like really cool. Huh. And if you go on the link off of my page there or go to the Rescue Mission and find the event, you can go listen to some of their music. And it's like, you know, your general Christmas music, like a joy to the world and different things, but in this funky rock huh. thing. So we're bringing them in December 18th at um, to the Dorothy Smith Center for Advocacy at RCIL on Genesee Street there. Very nice. And it's a beautiful room. It's got those big stained glass windows and we're going to have this really cool music and it's a fundraiser for the rescue mission of Utica. Awesome. Yeah. How'd you get involved in this? Just through connections? Through, um, Stephen's a big, um, and Empire Recycling is a big sponsor of Levitt and like I said, he's been a client for almost 12 years and he's a good friend. Wonderful. And I'm like, I'll do whatever he needs pretty much. I got two other things I happen to see, Mm -hmm. but I got three other things you're connected to. I should be careful what I put out on Facebook. It's true. I happen to notice that you, and I don't know if this is true anymore, but when I typed your name into mm-hmm. Google, do you know you still come up as like co-chair of Utica Restaurant Week? Is that still something you're yes, involved in? Yeah. yeah. I've done that for a few years. Actually, I was just thinking of that today because we usually do it in June yeah. and we do it as kind of the kickoff to summer. So Regina Bonacci and I uh, co-chair it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Regina is still involved in the Downtown Utica Development Association, mm-hmm. which is a, a mm-hmm. little dormant, yeah, but yeah, they're, yeah. Still, they're still out there. And this is their major event for the year. So, yeah, yeah we should be getting moving on that soon. I love the event. I will tell you, from somebody who used to work on the other side, yeah. from the employer, the employment side of it, 
we always sort of ro- had to roll our eyes like, ah, we got to do the prefix menu now. We got to change our whole thing for a week. It, well, it throws our. Well, it's good. It's a good thing. But as a restaurant employee, who are all, we're always mad about it. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I waitressed and whatnot yeah. for like ten years. I get it. But uh, what we do here is like we don't lock everybody into having to do the same correct. thing because yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. price point is different. So yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you can't have a cafe up against you know our mm-hmm. bigger restaurants. So they can do whatever they like. Oh yeah, no. I you think know? I think more than anything else, it's just that waiters. And waitresses yeah, are like, oh, up in one their more own. thing anything for me to sell. Anything that's different, anything yeah. that changes, yeah. I know. Uh, you know Come on, weird? kids, be a part of it. I did that for six years. Six, seven years in New York, really Times Square waiting tables. Ooh, nice. Hustle. Yeah, great money, but that's a lifestyle you either in or you're not. I know a lot of folks who love that sort of hospitality lifestyle, like working yeah. those late hours. I gotta tell you, as I get older, it's tough for me to stay awake. Past yeah, it, it is hard. <laughs> when I when I first got a quote-unquote real job, I was, yeah. um, I moved here from Rochester. I went to RIT mm. and I was working at Ruby Tuesday. So I transferred to the one here in Sangertown Square and I'd had that job forever even when I got a, a regular day job and I couldn't let it go. Mm. And then after you do, like, you don't even know what to do with yourself at night, you know? You're, like, you're working and you're wide awake. It's, that's why my house is always a mess. I've talked about this with so many people. I'll get home from class. I'll go to work. I get home at 3.30. Mm-hmm. I got about an hour, hour and a half before class starts that night. Maybe just sort of decompress, but then I got to go to class. Yeah. Come back at 8 o'clock. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the dishes. And then by 9 o'clock, I don't have it in me. And that's why my house always looks like garbage until the end of the school year. And I'm like, yeah. Sorry. Just, it's low priority. It is. It, that's the first thing to go. I, oh, I yeah. feel like I have all these projects going mm. and everything. Like that's the first thing. Like I just mm. swept the floor and mopped it yesterday mm. for the first time in who knows how long. Well, <laughs> somewhere along the way, you happened to find time to win a, an award for outstanding continuing education instructor for yeah. your work with MVCC's yeah. Young Entrepreneurs Academy. That was just recent. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank on you. That. And I bring it up because I don't necessarily knew if I. I think I did know you were involved in this. Yeah. Uh, there's someone else. Is it Susan Lincoln? She's still Susan Lincoln. Yeah. She's yep. great. Yep. Uh, we have. I know this because I have a few kids who've done this program over the years, and I love this program because of it. Uh, especially knowing what I know about high school kids, which is they hate to take uh, orders mm-hmm. <laughs> from anybody or advice. Yeah. <laughs> I try and open them up to the idea that like your creativity and your ideas can be used for your benefit, and you can be in control of them. And I always try and sell sure. this. Uh, what's your experience yeah. been so far with MB's uh, young, um, uh, with youth, uh, young Entrepreneurship Academy? Yeah, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things I do. Okay, this really is cool. the, our seventh year that we've oh, been teaching it. So myself and uh, Joe Mandia, mm-hmm. who is an animator, he's in uh, New Hartford, he um, he and I split the class and take it, and Susan's mm-hmm. a program manager. We have a, a new yeah. girl involved. So w- what I love about it is that we have kids come in, and they could be from Westmoreland, Little Falls, New Hartford, Clinton, you know, all over the place. We've got a lot of kids from Proctor, mm-hmm. and they come in, and they range from seventh grade up until seniors. So it's almost like sometimes I joke it's like teaching in a one-room uh, schoolhouse, but some of these seventh graders are like, you know, they're crushing it. So they meet each other, and they all have very different interests, and they start a business. So the premise of the class, they take it from November through May. They start a business. They write a business plan. They do an investor panel presentation and win real money, kind of like Shark Tank. And then they do a trade show at the end where they're selling their stuff. So it has been um, amazing working with these kids. The ideas they come up with and the things, oh, man. It's funny, too, because I've seen so many kids from my program who've attempted to do it over the years, Mm -hmm. and some of them do better than others certainly yeah. there's always a level yeah but there's one kid last year I can't I don't know if I his name was Jorge Jorge's a great uh, kid Jorge Hernandez yeah he did his music. talk about he's like yeah. the epitome of crush it he's an amazing he, kid he's one of the few kids I know who wears like a shirt and tie to school like yeah. I was like wow you really yep he'd always wear a bow tie I respect tie. it I respect mm-hmm. it his he really uh, you know 
I see a lot of kids on both sides of the spectrum who are like, I'm ready to be an adult and move out in the world and I'm already more prepared for it than you are. Yeah. To the other side, which is like, wait, what time is it? What day is it? This guy touched me. I'm what am I? Sleep on the couch. Like, you mean, like, <laughs> just like, there's so much weird, there's so much, sem- like, break apart between, like, the students who are at the high end and the low end. Yeah. That when you see somebody, who's a kid who's really just into it and understands it, it really does make you feel like, that's what makes me feel good about the future sometimes, is how many of these kids. You are darn right. Yeah. Because he, he, he is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, I'm, I'm old and cynical. That's just me being cynical yeah. as you get older. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, we always lose a couple kids in the class. I hope, yeah, knock yeah. on wood, this year we don't. But, you know, they, they get into it and they're like, oh, man, running a business is hard. And yeah. I'm doing volleyball. I'm out of here. You know, That's <laughs> the one that kills me is like, we, even for us, for our program, we ask a lot yeah. of our kids in terms of time mm-hmm. and commitment. And I'm also not, like naive and confused when kids don't show up to something I'm like uh, yeah if I because I was a troublemaker when I was a kid I would have been that kid who was like oh I had a family event and I missed <laughs> it uh, sorry I'm playing video games I mean like so that's just the reality kids will lie and you have to sort of like understand that and understand where they're coming from but also it's really hard to get kids to understand how what goes on right now impacts them in the future yes and that never changes that's yeah. not even a general that's just forever it's hard to get kids to you understand. are absolutely right the choices you make now every little uh, that's something i drill into my son all the time you know well actually we can get into that parents corner Did that right segue now. no that's a good segue because i was going to ask you your son you said your son just turned 18 he's going to be 18 in january and if i yeah. if my research is correct you are doing the sort of college tour yeah. circuit yeah right now. how's that going for it's you awesome so I, I said on facebook a couple weeks ago we went down to temple university in philly temple. yeah and I want to like quit my job and go be a like a secret <laughs> shopper for colleges because uh, it is dope. It's it's so fun, you know. You get to like get the tour and, and man, that college. He's he's gonna go for the same thing that I do, which is terrifying and exciting at the same time. But he wants to do graphic and interactive yeah. design. And Temple has a entrepreneur studies. Um, like piece of it that goes right into the major so he would be doing creative work and business classes which is killer you gonna keep it like the gymnastics athletic style stuff at, he met with the gymnastics nice. coach at temple and nice. had pizza with him so down there you know their funding got cut a few years ago but if you get into the yeah. school you're on the team yeah. so does he has he decided on temple or is that he likes temple and rat, RAT and um, i went to rat temple yeah interesting Kind of opposite direction, too, right? <laughs> I'm okay. I have, like, I've got three, like, best friends, and two of them live in Rochester and Philly. Yeah. So, like, I'm covered either way. Yeah. Part of my job as the education part of my job is we take kids on tons of college mm-hmm. trips. And it's always intriguing to They're watch. So fun. Them. Well, it's interesting <laughs> to watch them react, right? I go to some colleges with kids. And here's the other thing, too. I also don't lie to them. So I'll walk in. Like, we went to Morrisville mm-hmm. a couple months back. And yep. we went specifically to the farming, dairy nature area yeah. right and i walked in with the guys like look kids i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you right now that at least half of you are gonna get off this bus smell cow poop look around and go nah not for me yeah. right but that's okay even that concept is important because not just educationally yes you want to know what your major is yes you mm-hmm. want to know but i always tell kids you want to feel like you're that's, part of something yeah that's the first thing i tell them i don't i don't know about you but when i got out of the car as a 17 year old looking at rit yeah I got out and I'm like, this is it. Like I just knew it. I don't know what it yeah. was. Hunter was like that for me. Yeah. Not oh, Hunter. Not the other schools, to be honest. When I went to like I went to M V because it was the next logical step. Yeah. Went to M Proctor, got my M V diploma. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to go apply for like Oneana and all those schools in Buffalo, they're all beautiful schools, they're mm-hmm. all really nice. But nothing really like I was just like, Yeah, 
grabbed just, you? Just school again. Just more school. Yeah. It was in New York City, I think, when I looked at what the idea of the school could be. I was like, oh, word, I could take a subway to school mm-hmm. and then take the subway back home and then go work and have my own apartment and I don't have to do the mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. dorm life. So I think that more than anything else, just telling kids to be open because you never really know what a place looks like until you get a chance to You got to go feel it. it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them now will offer like coming to shadow a class and mm-hmm. seeing really what it feels like, which is really cool. A lot of schools I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just internally with other schools or if this is open for a lot of people, they do what's called like diversity overnights. Yeah. Where they bring in a lot yep. of like kids from different programs mm-hmm. to just stay overnight at the school and see what's up. And yep. those I feel like have mixed levels of success. Some mm-hmm. schools do a really good job. Like I know, for example, St. Lawrence College does an excellent job like really making it easy for the kids that come to these diversity overnights. They set buses out and they pick kids up. It's wow. a really good program. And again, it's school to school. Really. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a lot of them. With the girl I mentor, we went to Oneonta. She's at yeah. Morrisville Love now. Love Oneonta, by the way. What a, what a open house that mm-hmm. was. I mean, I'm like, I want to go here too. Oneonta. It's amazing. Yeah. For uh, guys like me growing up, again, I was playing in a band at that time when I was first doing the college thing. Mm-hmm. Oneonta has a great music scene. <laughs> they do. They have a really, really nice neighborhood with yep. such it's really cool it almost reminds not Utica necessarily but it has that sort of low-key sort of upstate relaxing vibes a lot of pizza mm-hmm. places a lot of like restaurants yeah yeah um that was one of the few great campus great it campus. was like the cleanest campus i've ever seen shout out to that pizza place that serves the pizza <laughs> with the cold cheese on top have you ever heard this oh no no, no. So the idea is great it's really good they take a full cheese pizza and then what happened was the reason this started was kids were like coming in from college parties like drunk and ordering pizza and burning the roof of their mouth because they would just eat the pizza like oh are you pizza. kidding me? So the idea was they made a whole hot pizza and then when <laughs> right. they pull out of the oven they put like cold mozzarella like grated yeah. up over the top of it yep. and it puts a layer on top to stop you from biting from burning the roof of your mouth. Wow, it's also very good, but like I I thought it was excellent. Supply and demand. Yeah, right? only on it. Check it out. Go. All right. Um, <laughs> I want to do a little bit of lightning round with you before we close up, but I just want to recap a few things we talked about. So again, Levitt, we're crossing our fingers, feeling good about yep, this. December eighteenth, we'll remote. find out. Let me ask you this question, not to be a downer. Yeah. If for some reason we did not get it, <laughs> will we just apply again next year and try again? Would that um, be plan you know what? Forward? That's a good question. I'm not sure if you can come back and apply. Yeah, I wonder again. if that's how. Um, yeah. It might be. You know, the, the nice thing, and that I'm hoping, is three of our friends in other cities who were going for their fifth year mm. were actually. Um, if you guys got the emails from Levitt, you saw that uh, Sheboygan, Trenton, and um, one of our. There was one other city I can't mm. remember right now. They got um, multiple three-year funding. Oh, nice. So they pulled them out of the voting. They didn't have to do that. They got 25000 for three years. So I'm really hoping if we do a good mm. job and we get a fourth year, like maybe that could be us. So Close, guys. I'm curious. But worst case scenario, I've been thinking about it, and I mm. I don't know. You know, if, if we don't get it, I'll cry for a couple days, and then I'll get the, get the crew together, and we'll talk mm. about what we can possibly do. Uh, and just very quickly before the lightning round starts, mm-hmm. uh, you happen to mention on your Facebook page you are a big snowboarder. Are you I ready am. for snowboarding? I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. It's ridiculous. It's one of the few things I wish I could do that I don't know how to do. I'm not. Cool. Do you want to learn? Kind of. I can get you down a mountain in one day. Let me ask you this question. At least the, the small hill. Would you say that you, in general, are naturally coordinated? Totally. Yeah. You're not? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I noticed it when I went bike riding when I was a kid. I'm a terrible bike rider as well. But I used to bike in the city with my buddy because it's cheaper than taking taxis, yeah. especially for the neighborhood. Sure. And he was one of those kind of guys 
who could like fight and be on his phone. He's looking down. He's super. If I even take my hands yeah. off the thing, I'm like, oh god, I I don't know what it is. I think I'm just not oh, naturally. Maybe you're just that. a little wimpy. I'm clumsy. Okay. I've always been clumsy. Creative types are not always. <laughs> so as soon as you figure out your feet in snowboarding, though, it's really yeah. just gliding. It is um, it's like well, magical. It's like, you're supposed to like lean forward and back, right? That's part of the turning. You're supposed to like. Sh- yeah, it, kind yeah, of. I, I like... didn't find out until later. I was 30 when I learned. Okay, so it hurt a lot yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. My son was five, so I was like, if I'm going to be cool and I'm going to hang with him, I better learn. So as soon as I figured out what your back foot is really supposed to be doing, yeah, yeah. it's just like, it's like can cruising. Um, so can you learn what you've learned and translate it over? I don't even probably. know. Probably. <laughs> I haven't tried, though, because concrete is a lot harder than snow to fall on. I was a punk rocker growing up, so part of me <laughs> wanted to skateboard. Yeah. Uh, and I remember my buddy trying to teach me once. Did you just, I, like, buy one and go hang out at the skate park? Well, we had it at his house. We were at his house one day. <laughs> He's a drummer. And uh, we were... He was trying to show me how to do an ollie or a kickflip. Yeah. Or those, are, those are terms. Those are terms. And uh, I did it, and I hurt my ankle, and I sat down, and I said... See, this is why I play music. I'm just going to write music for punk rockers and skater kids. Yeah. And then I don't even have to skateboard. I can just yeah. hang out yeah. with the skater kids. So there, there's was... a whole like little subculture of kids who will do the videoing, you yep. know, and the editing and the music and See, stuff I like that. And they'll, they'll be out there with the snowboarders, but yeah. they're not throwing the tricks and stuff. That's a particular culture that I think goes back to a certain time and place. I remember looking at old, they're called like CSS catalogs or CCS catalogs. It was basically skateboards, snowboards, and like any Ooh. sort of extreme sport okay. stuff. And one of the big sections of it was always like, the videotape like collections and yeah. all these like brand skateboarding or snowboarding videos. And that was like for a certain yeah. again, this is like a little bit pre-internet. Like now you can just go look at videos on the internet, but you can <laughs> order and trade these things online yeah. and, and like and through catalogs and yep. stuff. I thought was really cool growing yeah. up. So I can get into that. They have the uh, Warren Miller film coming to the Stanley. I think mm. it's December eleventh, but that is um that's like a cool event we look forward to nice. every year because it's all movies mm. about uh, ski, uh, ski boarding, what that is? Ski boarding. Snowboarding, skiing, and then like all of the, the resorts in the mountains are there yeah. giving away free tickets. See, I'm into the resorts. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of sitting in a ski lodge <laughs> yeah. with coffee and fire <laughs> and wearing sweaters. That's all I'm into that. Uh, all right, uh, Michelle Troy. Okay. Uh, lightning round questions. Again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. These are mostly new questions. I think we've got new questions okay. on here. All right, so dun, Michelle. Dun, dun. What was the worst job? you ever had growing up? Uh, I had great jobs, but um, I worked at Perkins, the pancake place, yeah, the from pancake. 10 at night to <laughs> 6 in the morning. Oh. And it wasn't a bad job, but it was the worst kind of customer. Yeah, late uh, yeah. night, drunken. Oh, lordy. Uh, like, I need something to cover up all the alcohol in my stomach. So Customers, bad. Yeah. So bad. Perkins, I only remember from the sign. It had a great, like, old, like, <laughs> very particular-looking, like, yep. logo and sign. Yep. What was the first time in your life that you personally felt successful? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, like, seriously, going back, I, I've always been an artist, and mm. there was this thing, I, a contest in second grade, I remember, and I won the art contest. Yeah. And I think maybe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of lame to go back that far, no, you true, know? Though, right. But I don't know, there was something about that and winning it and getting like a little blue ribbon where I'm like, oh, this art thing is kind of like my thing, I mean, you know? I think that's fair because for me, even going back to when I was a kid, it was drama club, right? Like yeah. I was in a play, I yep. was one of the leads, and when you stood on stage doing this thing that you liked and you bow down and people clap for you, yeah. you go, Huh. You're like, that was a thing. It's I a thing. You do this all the time, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay, what am I wow. missing here, right? And so it's weird when you, it's good. I'm glad you brought that up. Very good. Very good. Based on the set of skills you have and what you would put on your resume, mm-hmm. if you had to find another line of work, what would you look for? 
It's <gasps> a great question. Um, you know, we, we talked about this before we went on air is um, teaching. Teaching. You know, oh. and I've adjunct taught for design at mm. MV a little bit, and I've been teaching yeah. the Young Entrepreneur Academy, but that's not what I went to school for. Right. But I really love it. What so. would you like to teach if you could choose a subject? I love this entrepreneurship Entrepreneur thing, stuff. you know. Yeah, Secondary, of course, is history. I'm a big history buff. Wow. That was my concentration yeah, in college. <laughs> I, I taught a little history of Utica class at the Children's Museum a couple of months ago, and I went down to the, um, the big mural that we did. Yeah. And it was the best. The kids were so cute. They, they, one mom I saw just over the weekend, and she said that her little son, Magnus, what a cute name, right? Aww. He um, is always bragging about how Utica got its name because he learned it in history class. Yes. And I had them pull little things out of a hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you know Love where the it. city of antiquity comes from? It's, we are, I believe it's Tunisia was the original name where they got the name for the hat drawing from, right? Because Utica's in a, it's from an era, like a Roman era, like yes. the antiquity era. North Africa. Yeah, yeah, North Africa. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You can actually find the ruins of Utica and Tunisia on the internet. They're pretty good to look at. Really? I've never yeah, yeah. looked that up. It used to be the background of my, my computer for a long time. Nice. Oh, uh, history nerds unite. Uh, <laughs> I only bring this up because when I did my research, if you type Michelle Truitt, I hate to tell you this, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it before, people talk about you on topics. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. People talk about everybody on topics. Yeah. So I guess what my question is... I've avoided topics for good. many, many years. I were being on it until recently. Well, the reason I bring it up is because I'd like to know what the most interesting thing you've ever heard about yourself that isn't true is. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah. Because I, I really... I've, I've read a little bit of the stuff on topics, that and it's kind of like... Point. Topics is a cesspool of disgusting It nonsense. is. You know, you gotta... It's like... It's hard to read that stuff because you know, like some of the stuff up there is so intimate that you're like, this is somebody that I've sat in a meeting oh, with yeah. and I've sat face to face and mean, they're being a jerk. I would be lying if I said to you that when I was 15 and I was just getting the internet, topics wasn't a thing that people just went to go post to get like people angry on. Like, yeah. there's no like, there's no reason that it exists other than to be a place where you can openly shit on things you have. <laughs> right? Like, I know. It's like so, please just tell me. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a good answer to your question, but I can't. Um, because every, I guess everything, everything out there has some sort of some basis belief to it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't this, know. I don't have a good. That's one. That's all we can move past. This question is usually for the politicians. This is more for Bernissi when he came on the show. Oh, but okay. He had a lot of things he heard that weren't true. Apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Uh, what is the most uh, embarrassing style phase you went through? One particular style phase you're most embarrassed about? Oh, bangs. Bangs. Oh, that's oh, all right. Oh, big big hair in New Jersey big, in the uh, '80s. Like, come on. You look back sometimes. Jenny you know. Aquanet. You know. Of course, I had Aquanet. Rave was really big though. But remember those pic- like family pictures where I had two younger brothers, so the brothers would be in the forefront, and then I'd be in some little feathered oval yep. in the top mm-hmm. left-hand corner, and all you could see is like that light on my bangs. There is this. Uh. Little, okay, so I, I don't even know why this why this exists. Okay, there's a famous picture of that for me and my family at least that exists of my sister Karen, my sister Kelly, and me. Mm-hmm. At the time, my sister Karen is into like skid row and has like the the aquanet hair and it's huge my sister kelly has like her eyes are crossed in the picture and like the her bang it's just weird it's just not great and i look like dr spock i have little pointy <laughs> ears and a bowl cut and like a, a turtleneck and this picture existed around our house now not even the photo my dad or somebody thought it was a good idea to give this photo to an artist and an artist made a color pencil rendering Beautiful. of this terrible picture. So it existed twice. <laughs> it existed twice. <laughs> and so uh, it, just be happy that your embarrassing style phases aren't as 
locked into the world <laughs> of your face. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we grew up before the internet, ones? I'll tell you Are that. Are there any recent things you've tried to get into, you feel? Like any of the youthful stuff that you've tried to get into? Or? Oh, God. Well, with You're not vaping, with, are you? No. <laughs> I, yeah, right? With an 18-year-old, I don't know. I just, I may, maybe some of the things I say. I always say, you know, oh, that's dope. And my son's like, that's not a word, Mom. And then I hear it is, you know? And I was like, yes, it is. I'm still cool. Can you do that floss um, dance that all the kids do? I can. <laughs> That's great. That's great parenting. Right we there. probably shouldn't, but yes, I can if I needed to. Uh, what's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self, knowing what you know now? Oh, so many things. So many things. Um, I would have to say it would be about self-confidence. That's mm-hmm. re- that's really a big thing. Because mm-hmm. I think when you put yourself out yeah. there and you're an entrepreneur and you're starting something, you know, you doubt yourself constantly. And I think, you know, I would just say, you're going to be all right. Just go with your gut. I think one of the great curses in life is you don't really come to terms with who you are as a person until it's later than you'd like it to be. Yeah, I, never really, I didn't yeah. lean into who like who I was and what I really liked until by my mid-20s, and by then I had spent a lot of my like yeah. high school and early career pretending to be like a person that I wasn't <laughs> for the sake of argument. Yeah, yeah. And even when you tell kids that, like, just be yourself, don't try to impress other people, they, they can't help it at that. They just can't yeah. can't help it. Do you remember, you remember, do you watch Parks and Recreation? I love Parks and Recreation. So when Anne, when Leslie finally comes to terms with Anne and says, you know what, you take on the characteristics oh, of all of your friends. that's a real thing, by the way. It is a real thing. It's and a I always real like, thing. Look at that. And I think into maybe freshman, sophomore year of college, I kind of fell into that. And you're, yeah. just, you're just trying to fit in and do whatever. Then you could turn 40, and I'm telling you, you don't care. You don't uh, you know, care it's true. anymore. I've sort Say of, what you want. People, you know, I've, I've had people, I've, I've caught on with lots of different things over my lifetime. I was a preppy kid. I was a punk rocker. I was, I guess, like a... I don't know what you would call like an art kid, like a music kid. I was, uh, I had all sorts of different stuff. Over <laughs> me. I wore a lot of hats. And now as I get older, like, what are you, a hipster? I'm like, I'm too old to be anything now. So I just tell people <laughs> that I'm a collector. Like over the years, I've kept a few things here and there from the different yeah. phases. Like yep. I don't wear the high socks or have the purple hair anymore. I think I got a belt with studs on it somewhere around the house, just in case if I ever had to use it for something. I like the grunge phase, like when Nirvana came out. That was pretty fun. That makes me happy. That made it easy to dress well, for school. Like leggings, flannel, flannel done. Yeah. That's know. popular now. Like, I, I see that back. I see weird things back, like mom jeans. I, I always <laughs> like thought... Young girls are wearing them. I always thought when I was growing up, incorrectly, mind you, that as we get older... Styles wouldn't cycle; they would just get new ones, right? Like I keep waiting for that thing that they did in science fiction movies when we were kids, where we're all wearing the same outfit. It's like silver with a big yeah. B on it. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, how come we're not all wearing the same <laughs> outfit yet? But now it just seems like we rotate. So I'm assuming that after this grunge '90s revival, is everyone going to start frosting their tips and wearing baggy clothes again? Sure hope so. Like I th- that's going to be a real thing. Yeah. I <laughs> I've seen some stonewash stuff out there too lately. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stonewash is good. I've seen... I've also noticed this one, and maybe you've seen it because you have an 18-year-old son. Do you notice that kids don't even bother wearing clothes anymore? They just wear sweatpants and like leggings to school now? Well, my parents never would have let me done that. My son's at Notre Dame, yeah. so which is nice, because oh. I was like, here, here's your pair of khakis and your two Oxford shirts for the year. Enjoy. I've, which is nice. That's an old person thing, too. I've come around in school uniforms. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, no, outrageous. Now as I'm older, I'm like, it's nice to not have to wash all these clothes. You yeah, have, like, it makes it very easy. And it, you know what? It allows more money in the budget for stuff that he wants to wear like afterwards, you know? And, and he I, can tie a tie now. I used to argue when I was a kid that the school uniforms like stopped individuality, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. you can't be a person. However, as I've come around over the years, I think the school uniform actually 
hides the obvious differences. You learn more about somebody because everyone sort of wears the same kind of outfit. You wouldn't know what this person is up to or into unless you actually spoke to them about it. You have yeah, to, you good know what point. Mean? Yep. If you all wear what you like to wear, people make assumptions of you the second you walk in the door, right? Yeah, if I got yeah. a kid who's wearing like all black with a gothic face paint and everything, I think people are going to make impressions of that kid before he walks in the door. Right. But if they're all wearing the same thing... That's a good point. It, it is kind of hard. It takes the inequality out of it, it as does. well. You know? Even though it seems like it wouldn't. It seems like counterintuitive to like inequality. Everyone has to wear the same thing. But yeah. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> What's the... Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently uh, reading, Ooh. listening to, or watching. I just started uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama a couple of days ago. Oh, which that's is her, great. She, it's her... Yep, her new one yeah, just yeah. came out. She had a very funny uh, video out with Ellen. They, she was signing it at Costco. It was quite quite a funny thing. But she's a great writer. I'm a few yeah. chapters in, and um, I'm really loving it. It talks about how she grew up, and I dig it. Ironically, uh, during this week's history lessons, which we're doing after this, we're going to talk about the best and worst presidential memoirs of all time, mm-hmm. because uh, this is the 30th anniversary, or whatever anniversary, of uh, Nixon selling his, his rights to his memoirs. Okay. And one of the things we actually talk, I actually talked about in this is that uh, Barack Obama's book, uh, The Audacity of Hope, which yeah. is considered one of the better autobiographies, sort of upended the standard order. He wrote that book before he was president. Yes. And it actually helped sort of build his narrative, which is very un- yeah. uncommon for what you would normally do. And again, he's a great writer in the same way that she is. They have such a great way of like putting their tone of voice out there for people. They do. You feel like you were right there next to her. You She's know? great. Oh, man. I when I was her. in D.C., I got I bet you she can floss. Oh, I know God. she can floss. Dude, she's great. <laughs> it's funny, because I remember when her and uh, Barack had their presidential portraits. Mm-hmm. They got all the, yes. the crazy critiques. They got the really yeah. surrealist things. I went to D.C. this year for a trip, and I went to the Smithsonian Art Museum as part of the trip. We go every did you year. see him? I did. Yeah. And I got to tell you, in person... No matter what you think about him and say on what people have said about it, when you're in person in there in front of them and they're so big, they're captivating. It's yeah. wild. It's really, really amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, good. That's on my bucket list. Uh, and I guess one last question for you. All right. Uh, what are you a big fan of that we wouldn't necessarily guess that you are a big fan of? Oh, I usually have really good, like, quick answers <laughs> to this type of thing. Like uh, These are tough ones this week. Yeah, thanks a lot. Nah, I can't. I'm a big fan. I, I'm a huge fan of choreographed dance. Oh yeah, okay. Like huge. I Those have on my. Rockets. I have seen the Rockets. Awesome. I love um, World of Dance. I love yeah, yeah. J Lo. I used to remember that show in Living Color. I loved in Living Color. I used to want to be a fly girl <laughs> like J Lo. <laughs> oh God, what was the? I used to know the lyrics, and I can't remember the song. Blow up the room just like a balloon. You see, it's never too late, and it's never too soon. Take it from me, it's thy to be. That's awesome. All right, so there you go. Uh, Impressive. Thank you. Yeah, we can do a dance afterwards. Michelle, again, I want to thank you very much, uh, not only for joining us on the show, but just for being like a general uh, renaissance woman for (laughs) the city, being an advocate for everything you do, for all the people you help out, and for all the programs you've been a part of. Again, I probably doesn't get enough credit for all the people you help and all the the students and stuff you help, but it's. I, I respect it and I appreciate it. It's everything fun. Right back us. at you. And all Thank and you. like all you guys, there's just such a good group of people who are doing some real nice work. So just trying to make some magic together. Really intrigued to see what happens in the next couple of years once I'm done with college and I can figure out what the next couple steps yeah. of that will be. Keep the podcast going. I'll see you in another what was it, two years? <laughs> I, it's, like I say, it's like I say all the time. I'm a, this is episode one seventy nine. I'm always like two episodes away from being like, that's it, I'm done, no more. I, I, I say have, it like every Have you episode. ever done a podcast like on um, on site somewhere? Or does it always have to be here? <laughs> like if we win Levitt again, could you come uh, to Levitt and do a podcast? So 
It's funny you mention that because <laughs> I <No>. actually <laughs> just had a conversation with uh, GFOP's uh, Brianna and Devin Mahoney, mm-hmm. who run the Uptown. Yep. And I don't want to announce anything that we're not ready to announce yet. I want to say before the end of this year, we're probably going to think about some sort of live podcasting event, maybe a single time to see mm-hmm. how it goes. It's something that I've just recently started hearing rumblings about, right, mm-hmm. from other people who are interested in it. Yeah. My only hope, my thing for me, honestly, is that 179 episodes in, I'm glad that people are aware that podcasts exist. More than anything else, like, because when I first started the show, most people were like, now, that's just the radio, right? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, again, uh, December 18th is the rescue mission for Utica, uh, Slambovian Circus of Dreams. Yes. Uh, November 29th is the premiere of The Bench at uh, Munson Williams Proctor Art Institute. That's at 6 p.m. Uh, the December 18th is also the day we will find out about the, uh, the Le- Levitt Grant Levitt for 2019. Yep. Uh, and one more thing. What did I forget? Oh, we didn't talk about your uh, connection to the Children's Museum. They had the heart. The... You know, that's funny. You just took the thought right out of my head. We're yeah. having the 55th anniversary yeah. party for the museum. It's yeah. been around since 1963. So we're having like a, an adult night out. It's like a cocktail nice. party, four floors. We've got like, we're, we're scouring old things to, mm-hmm. uh, like old toys to play with. We're going to make those little footballs. We're going to yes. play mash. Yes. We're going to do all sorts of cool <laughs> stuff. So it's uh, 55th anniversary. That's it's amazing. December 5th. It's $55. Beautiful. And it's from 5.55 to 7.55 p.m. Yeah, you see what we did there? I was good. You're smart. <laughs> you guys are smart. Michelle, I want to thank you so much thank for everything. Thank you, Sam. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'll bring you in closer to me. It won't be two years. Sounds good. Yep. You. you know where I live. <laughs> Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. again to Shell Truitt. Uh, the closest thing that we talked about that she is advertising is on uh, November 29th, which is at the Munson Williams Proctor Art Institute. It is a film that she helped uh, create called The Bench, which is a short film about building a stronger community through conversation. It basically takes six couples of people, uh, one who's from Utica originally and one who's a refugee, and film their discussions they have on this same bench and turn it into a short documentary. Oh, really cool. interesting stuff. Uh, so check that out, uh, November 29th, 6 p.m., Munson Williams. One of the best-kept secrets in the city is that movie theater in Munson Williams. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like a ton there. of people have no idea yeah, it's yeah. there. And, like, you go in, and it's full-on real-deal movie theater, mm-hmm. and um, they show a lot of interesting, more educational-based films than you might catch at the quote-unquote multiplex, or whatever they're calling the marquee. They do show, like, they showed Lady Bird there. That was a big hit when it showed yeah, up. You, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying, like, you, they get a lot of, like, more offbeat or more, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the more, like, Oscar. A lot of movies you'll see yeah. nominated for Oscars that don't necessarily either make the marquee or stay for a long time, you can catch down there. And a lot of things like The Bench as well. I didn't even know about it until my mother-in-law was telling me she was on her way there yeah. like, a couple months ago to watch a movie with mm-hmm. her friends. I was mm-hmm. like, they do yeah. movies? Uh, are you guys ready for... Uh, well, it's been a long interview, so let's do... Long interviews tend to mean fast history lessons so we can get to the rest of the stuff. So let's dig through the history lessons, although I have to admit, at least one of these history lessons is going to take some explaining, and it's very personal, okay? 
So, let's get to the first one. On this date, 1865, Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll is published in America. Uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which is the full title, uh, written by English author Charles Ludwig Dodson under the pseudonym Lewis Carroll, uh, was popular with adults as well as children because it focused on the subject of logic as opposed to a lot of children's fairy tales, which are about like other like, princes and stuff like that. Although it is considered in a weird genre of fiction called nonsense fiction, like because it's written in sort of weird nonsensey prose, which is something that uh, Carol was known for. Uh, the entire first run uh, of Alice in Wonderland sold out very quickly. It was a publishing sensation. Uh, avid readers of the book were Queen Victoria and young Oscar Wilde. The book has never been out of print. It has been translated in 97 languages. Uh, and there have been over 100 editions of the book, as well as countless adaptations. I mean, the Disney one seems to be the one that people from our generation most uh, hold most dearly. I don't tend to like the Tim Burton ones very much. What, do you got any thoughts about Alice in Wonderland? Did you read it ever as a kid? Uh, yes. Did you read it, really? I did. Did you like it as a kid? I don't know. No. You don't remember? No. Did it leave sort of any impression on you other than like... No. No. You're, read, you're an avid reader, I Kev. I read my grandma. I read, a, <laughs> I read a chunk of it to write a term paper for somebody for money uh, when I was younger. <laughs> Smart. And I, you know, and also read the Cliff Notes and stuff like that to digest it just to, you know, pop out an easy A. Uh, I found it to be... I understand why it's important and what it is, but I found it to be a little bit dense, and the story had been beaten into my head too much in childhood to really glean too much from it, but, you know, Lewis Carroll, go get him. Much like anything else that people seem to like uh, later on, this was uh, not well-received at the Disney movie, at least it wasn't, uh, when it was released in 1951. Oh, However, it was too early for them. Yeah. However, in 1971, the movie had sort of a re-release, sort of a cult following. Most it, psychedelic drugs, you'll notice. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, matter of yes. fact. Uh, college campuses, actually, and it became the most rented film in a lot of cities across uh. the country. Uh, and then in 1974, they re-released it again. Uh, they also promoted the film with sort of psychedelic music doing the commercials to kind of play into what people were really right. all about with it. So, good stuff. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one. 1982. On this day, Howard Cosell calls his last fight after being uh, disgusted by the Larry Holmes Tex Cobb uh, fight at the time. Now, I'm only bringing this up because I just watched a documentary about like people who died during boxing matches and why we as Americans like are interested in boxing as a sport and what it goes into. But during this particular period from like 1970 to 1982, you started to see a lot of boxers getting seriously hurt and killed in the ring. Uh, this sort of culminated in 1982 during a match with Larry Holmes, who was the champion, and this guy, uh, Tex Cobb, who was sort of a... He wasn't really good enough to fight against Larry Holmes. He got pummeled pretty brutally. Uh, and during the fight, live on television, Cosell actually says... Uh, actually apologizes to the audience and says he can no longer call boxing matches. Uh, this was the quote from the next day in the Washington Post. Uh, I'm going to do my best Cosell voice because I was working on it before I came in. <clears throat> Nothing ever changes. I've done all I can. I've seen the thumbless glove. We've seen Ernie Shavers and Ray Leonard hurt their eye. I've seen Benny Parrott and Willie Clausen and Cleveland Denny and Duke Kim die in the ring. Yet we still have laissez-faire. You got two championships. The network must take responsibility for this. You got sleazy promotions. You got reporters who were afraid to look at boxing. I've had it no more. It's not a great uh, Cosell. I tried my best. He sort of turns into like an Italian guy later on. I lose it. <laughs> 
after a couple minutes. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, that's it. I just thought it was interesting. Look up Howard Cosell, a really interesting guy. On this day, 1985, uh, Random House bought Richard Nixon's memoirs for $3 million. Uh, at the time, it was one of the highest uh, like advances that had ever been released for a book deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it got me looking up, though. You ever read any presidential memoirs? It's kind of a weird thing. Like, I've never actual presidential memoirs. I tried to stumble through uh, Ulysses S. Grant's mm-hmm. only because we had a weird first edition uh, autographed copy at my house when I was a kid. I remember trying to read through that, but it was all very dense language-wise. Um, yeah. I've read I read a good chunk of the Bill Clinton biography, uh, the old one, like right after he became the president. And I read um, Dreams from My Father and the other Obama book. Audacity but Hope. Those aren't Audacity, Audacity Hope, but those aren't exactly mm. memoirs. Yeah. Like personal, like this is my memory. I'm more of like a, like I like a, like the Bob Woodward style of like I was mm. in here watching and tell the story as opposed to the first person mm. I. So this was just a list of a couple that were considered some of the best, right? Uh, Ulysses S. Grant, personal memoir of Ulysses S. Grant is considered one of the best. Uh, one of the best memoirs of any general since Caesar. Wrote the uh, review at the time. Oh, again, that was at the time, right? This is, this is an old piece. Uh, again, Audacity of Hope by Barack Obama is interesting because it was actually written before he became president. It was oh, one of the big things. That was one of the big things that gave him the stick. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It was a big book at the time. Yeah, it also helped that it was actually a really well written and <laughs> entertaining book. It's like pretty, pretty eloquent. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower apparently has one called The Mandate for Change, which is supposedly very good and almost has a novel-like narrative style. One of the last of the real ones, Dwight D. Uh, apparently Thomas Jefferson's Life and Selected Writings is very good. Um, it still averages a 4.5 uh, star rating on Goodreads, in case you're mm. looking for any reviews on it. And then apparently Jimmy Carter has one called A Full Life Reflections at 90, which is very good. Jimmy. Jimmy. You guys, you want to guess some of the worst? Or you guys, <laughs> Do you think you know any? No. Uh, a Time to Heal by Gerald Ford, considered very bad. <laughs> Apparently it's just him uh, talking about why he pardoned Nixon. Like, really trying to justify why he pardoned Nixon. Speaking of which, Nixon's memoirs uh, are basically considered crummy. He was trying to rewrite history, is what the article at the Times were saying about it. An American Life by Ronald Reagan. I liked this review from the Daily Beast at the time, calling the book, quote-unquote, fact-free. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good review. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Hubert Herver, uh, Herbert Hoover, I said that backwards, and, <laughs> and, and, and Hubert Herver, and Martin Van Buren, because I feel like it'd be tough to read an 800-page uh, thing about Martin Van Buren. MVB. Um, on this date, t- 1991, this is an important one for me, so I need to just put it out here. The Undertaker at Survivor Series 1991. Mm-hmm. defeated Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. to become, at the time, the youngest mm-hmm. World Wrestling Federation champion of all time. Uh, although it did take interference from the Ric, Ric Flair and a steel chair to lead to the title change. Uh, there was a stunned crowd in the Joe Louis Arena, Detroit, Michigan, of 17,000 uh, as The Undertaker held the belt over his head. Uh, I just need to bring this up because this is actually, as a kid who grew up watching wrestling, I was... Five, almost six, I think, at the time. I think I'm doing the math right there. This was an important moment for me. I was a huge Hulk Hogan stan at the time. Hulk Hogan was everything. It was basically Hulk Hogan and Godzilla, the two important, like, male figures in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Shout out to Dad. Shout out to Dad. <laughs> uh, and 
Um, <laughs> when Hulk Hogan lost to The Undertaker, I openly cried. Like, openly wept at the television as it happened. And my poor mom couldn't, like, console me. Aww. And my dad had to take me aside and discuss with me the fact that wrestling is not real. Oh. The guys that it's scripted. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. Uh, but yeah. And that was like a big moment for me because all of a sudden this thing that I had loved changed, right? All of a sudden I was like, oh, so it's just a, so Hogan didn't really get buried yeah. by the Undertaker Aww. and put in a body bag and now he's the, dead. His right? head stomped and murdered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, they didn't just execute Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, Hogan is not dead. Uh, it's a fact, Dad. Well, thank you. Uh, so I think that for me, I think as a guy who loves wrestling now because of the story, that was like an important personal moment yeah. in my life where I learned something Aww. about something I loved, right? Uh, shout out to the Undertaker who I met in real life not too long before that and he scared the bejesus out of me. Um... Parkinson said he wants to fight you if he ever sees you. If you see Justin Parkinson in the street, Mark Calloway, he's looking for a fight. All right, and this date, 2013, Frozen uh, was released, going on to become the highest-grossing animated film of all time. Uh, before you got here, we watched a bunch of trailers for Disney movies, which apparently just are never-ending. There are, like, mm -hmm. at least five different Disney movies uh, coming out over the next, like, six months or a year. Wreck-It Ralph, the Wreck-It Ralph movies out in theaters. They're remaking Aladdin. They're remaking Lion King. They're remaking, uh, Tim Burton is remaking Dumbo. They're making Toy Story 4. Which of those movies moves the meter the most for you, Heather? Um, probably Aladdin. Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. Aladdin. More than Lion King. People were going nuts yeah, for Lion King. At, my at, the, at Thanksgiving, we're freaking out about Lion King. Mm -hmm. like passing around the trailer, but no, definitely Aladdin. Kev, for you, which of those choices moves the meter the most for the you? The answer is obviously Aladdin. Aladdin, uh, You'll yeah. see a lot of people say Lion King, but that's because they're original, got no base level thought. Aladdin has always been mm. better than Lion King. Absolutely. I'm with uh, you. Thank you. I'm with you as well. I think if I had to pick one of those movies, I would that Dumbo be... trailer looked good. I know it did. The Dumbo yeah. trailer looked all dark and horrifying. I'm, 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 I'm so gritty reboots, baby. Gritty reboots. I can't watch that. We were just you'll be all right because happy ending though. I think we were discussing. Yeah. Been a long time. <laughs> everyone needs to have some sort of take about these trailers. We talked about this before you came in. Has to. That's how you right? get the clicks. So the take I'm seeing today about Lion King is that oh, it's just the same exact thing, shot for shot. They're using the same exact. They're not even doing the anything. Teaser trailer new. shows thirty seconds, the most iconic scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Pump the brakes. <laughs> but I think that even even if it is, let's say that is the case. That That's just, what they've been doing. Let, let's just say that is the case. Are you more interested by? The Tim Burton version of Dumbo, which Tim is Dumbo. Yeah, for that, sure. So you're more interested in oh, the original yeah. take than sort of a revamping of something we already like. What? Oh, the like the Dumbo version, he's going to take his own swing on it. I feel like he's not retelling. That's not why, though. I oh, okay. Think he's gonna he's gonna mostly retell the same. So from what the trailer looked like, he's gonna mostly retell the same story, but introduce a little bit more human element. Yeah. For yeah. exposition and moving the plot forward. Yeah. Because he's not showing the inner monologue of the talking animals. And no talking mice. But right, that's yeah. not what makes... It's not, for me, my choice between those two is not living and dying on whether I want a shot-for-shot shot remake or whether I want a fresh take. Mm -hmm. I'm just more interested... Like I, I, Lion King was great. I saw Lion King. I don't need another one. Mm -hmm. There's no reason I would ever... Like, I'll probably watch it at some point in my life, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I pulled up a list of highest grossing sure. animated films of all time because we're talking about Frozen. It's number one. What I think is most interesting about this list, and I'm not going to read all the way through it, every movie on this list is from at least 2003 
except one is from 1994, and that's The Lion King. The mm-hmm. Lion King is the only one of the old school, non Pixar, non CG Disney movies that's still on this list. Makes sense. Yeah. It was the first one to really cash in. Yeah. They were the first ones to really cash in on like they the did whole like Broadway thing. The soundtrack was celebrities, the Broadway, the branding, right mm-hmm. at the right time for TV and the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the first people to really sort of cash in and create the new structure. For the way a movie like Frozen or something, or Moana, or something of that nature flourishes. I'm going to throw this out here, by the way. Frozen has a very limited lifespan at the top of this list, because Incredibles 2 is right behind it. I can't it. wait for that. It's already out. I know, I can't wait to watch it. You haven't seen it? It's only, it's not only, only 50 million in worldwide gross behind it, and it came out. That's almost nothing. That's almost nothing, yeah. right? Uh, the top five movies in this list were Frozen, number one, Incredibles, number, Incredibles 2 is number two, Minions, the Minions movie is number yeah. three. Oh, did you forget Minions was a was colossal? Yeah, I guess. It's, that's higher than any of the Despicable Me movies, which Makes are also sense. on this list. Makes sense. Uh, number four is Toy Story 3. Number five is Despicable Me 3. Yeah. Uh, that's it. You can look at the list if you want, but there's nothing else of any yeah. real merit on here. Although I will say, I watched Coco on a bus. That movie should be higher. That's number 16. Coco Coco's, Coco's dope a movie, movie I've been keeping in my back. It's on Netflix. I've it's been good. keeping it in my back pocket for if I go to bed like early to watch a movie where I can really like sort of focus yeah. and I'm in that vein or whatever. It's worth it. I'm really excited really, to see it. It's a really good movie. Uh, all right, I'll move on. Uh, that was longer than I thought it was. So um, let's figure out how we wanted. Okay, I'm going to move past the two Trump quick things. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, good plan. We already did two quick Trump yeah. things yeah, in the first part. Did you want to mention, do we want to talk about Ivanka and our emails? Do you, do you no. Thought of that? I, no. If they're all liars, okay. they know. Everybody who listens knows. All right. I got a story that I, I'm very curious if you guys were aware of. Did you guys read anything about this story about the American missionary who got killed? Yes. Yo. Another idiot. Yo. I read a, I didn't even know about this tribe. I actually went and like yeah. read about yeah. them and mm-hmm. I'm really Sentinel intrigued. Island. Yeah. Uh, Sent, yeah North like, Sentinel Island. Uh, that's where John Allen Cho went and that's where he never came back from. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to convert them to be Christians. Just leave them alone. Uh, as of yesterday, police are currently staking out the area where he was killed and the... Uh, Andaman tribes people were hold, brandishing spears at them. I'm, just don't go to the island. Just leave him alone. Nope. There's not that Can't many... Can't get him back. He shouldn't have been there, and nobody should go there to find him. He made his own, he made his own bed, man. It's one of the few places in the world how, like this. How arrogant and narcissistic do you have to be to well, go out I... there, to go out to this uncontacted tribe in this island who has a long history of murdering anybody who comes anywhere near it, and we as an entire world have decided to leave these people alone but you arrogantly think you're going to go in there with your Patagonia fleece speaking English about Jesus and it's gonna you're going to do anything besides get a good Instagram story and some money donated you got killed and that's what you get and you're going to lay on that island forever and nobody should spend a penny or an hour of brow sweat to get you out of there I don't know how much you want to get into this but uh, they talked about what happened to the last guy mm-hmm. that did this um Apparently what will happen is about five to seven days after they killed him, they're going to take his body out to the sand, make him stand up with the help of bamboo so he's facing the sea. That's mm-hmm. horrifying. That's like nightmare fuel Hell for yeah. the kids out there. Dear God, don't go to the crazy tribe islands that don't want people to come leave there. Just leave them alone. Uh, we talked about last week about uh, marijuana is now legal for sale in Massachusetts. Uh, interesting story. The first person in line was the mayor. <laughs> I think it's actually a smart move. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. PR yeah, team. PR team is yeah. very smart. Brilliant, brilliant move. Um, 
Uh, I'll just say this. There's a story this week that Hugh Hefner, in the time before his death, Hugh Hefner dumped sex tapes into the ocean before his death. Now, that's not surprising. My question is, why? The ocean is, is the hilarious part. I just mean, like, I no. burn them. Okay, but here's the thing. Again, why? You're Hugh Hefner. You're, like, a sex guy. Who cares if there's video? Like All the other people on those tapes care. Not, are they not Playboy models? Maybe. No, no. Think, think so. about think about the culture of the Playboy Mansion and the way that it's been, where celebrities go out. Oh, there. so you think he's talking I, about personal I, tapes? I bet there's all sorts of everybody on these tapes. Mm. I bet he's been filming bonus since the seventies. Wow! Keep all the secrets. You never know what person went in there and did what, and what little discretion was kept. What happens in the grotto stays in the grotto. That's the move. Yeah, dude. That's why you want a little bit of notice when you're gonna die, so you can burn all your shit. Yeah, that's huge. Good for him for yeah, being able to. I don't think I don't know. <laughs> dropping him in the ocean seems like a very outdated. <laughs> seems like an old Somebody, man. honey, drive me to the ocean. <laughs> like, or burn them. Do something. That's more. But yeah, no, you got to do it. Got to do it. Can't have those getting out there. Uh, I just opened up my phone and I got a breaking news announcement. I'm just going to toss it out here because it's going right here at the end. Uh, breaking news from Washington Post: Special Counsel accuses former Trump candidate chair Paul Manafort of lying during questioning, violating his pre uh, plea agreement. Hey, you've been lying. No. So there you go. I don't know. That just popped up. Keep trying to angle for that pardon. Keep trying. Every single week you're out there. You're going to get it again. Watch what happens. Uh, I'm going to share a quick segment with you before we leave called Murder at a Wedding. Uh, I don't know if you've heard any of this story. It was from Vice this week, but I'm just going to share it with you. An Australian bride-to-be delivered this savage kill shot to her boyfriend of six years recently after receiving scandalous news near hours before she was due to tie the knot. She was hanging out with her friends in a hotel room when she got a text message uh, from a number she did not recognize along with a series of screenshots and pictures saying, I wouldn't marry him, will you? Uh, what followed was uh, a bunch of texts that the uh, fiancé had been sending to a different woman. The woman reached out to the woman who's getting married. So now she's got all these texts. She waits until the husband, the groom, is at the altar before dropping her flowers to reveal the phone and proceeding to read out every depraved thing the girl had said out loud in front of everybody at the wedding. Brutal. What a brutal. That's great. great. (laughs) Uh, The best part about it, actually, I think, is that afterwards, everyone just continued to party as though there was a wedding. Gotta do it. Caterers are here. (laughs) Power move. I like that one. Uh, I don't really have anything else. I was going to share this quick list that was going around about uh, people sharing cheat codes for life, but they're all kind of uh, they're all kind of mediocre. I will say there's one on here that I like, and if you take one piece of advice, I think, Kev, you can agree with this too. This is from someone called Heels2 on Twitter. If you have no complaints about your food service at a restaurant, ask to see the manager and pay a compliment. Usually, when people want to see the manager to complain, to complain, so a compliment is usually surprising and welcome. This usually leads to countless free drinks, appetizers, or money off the bill just by making a polite comment. I'm gonna do that. So there's a cheat code for you for real life if you ever want to do one. Uh, the other one is when you're walking somewhere, if you walk with a purpose, people will assume you're busy and no one will stop you. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walk in all sorts of places. Here's one I gave to Steve, our friend Steve Anderson, and I regret giving it to him. Uh, no one stops a guy or girl carrying a pizza. It can get you backstage at concerts. <laughs> Which is another great point. <laughs> it's another great, great point. Uh, yeah, not all of these were as good, uh, but I thought that a couple of those one. were... Uh, here, This is one I've done in real life. This is a good one. Under-promise and over-perform. Say you'll achieve less than you think you will, and then do more, and everyone will be impressed. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, all right, that's it. 
let's uh, let's close it out and um, say uh, it's a, it a long week. Oh, that's right. It is important, I suppose, that I shill for the company that I support so very much. But no, this is a, this is a good, as I hold you guys the thing you can't you're see. Holding up the piece of paper at yeah, the microphone, <laughs> facing away from you like it's a camera. No, look, I think that uh, one of the things that we do phenomenal at Made in Utica is come up with great content. All our merch is very cool. I've always enjoyed our merch, even if I wasn't uh, making money off it. Spoiler: I'm not. Uh, anyhow, we have new shirts, new mugs, all on sale. Get your Christmas shopping done. Early Cyber Monday is still going on for, I suppose, uh, well, by the time you guys hear it, it won't be, but... Whatever, just go whatever. buy stuff. Go buy go some buy stuff. stuff. MadeinUtica.com, MadeinUtica.com slash shop. Supplies are limited when they are gone. In typical Made in Utica fashion, they are gone. Forever. Forever. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter at uh, Heather Wells, uh one follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan follow Sam at SF Doom or don't just follow the show at Uticast uh, we are also on uh, SoundCloud Instagram Facebook Twitter uh, Apple Podcast Stitcher Podcast we're taking over the web sayonara humanoids uh, can I start counting down till Christmas yeah you can you can start whenever is you it want 20, is it exactly a month before Christmas no, no it's I don't think I really know. 30 days till Christmas as of right now it's the 20th I don't know what day of the month. It's close. Start your shopping. Uh, Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We will catch you guys uh, next week, like we always do. Oh, do we want to talk about... uh, Congratulations, Tony Verdissi. We didn't talk about it at all. Tony! Tony! Look at this guy. I got my picture with a congressman. How about that? All right. We'll be back. You going to write him a note? I might. I might. (laughs) Bye.